It's Cofield and Company. Company, company, company. Who puts y'all in charge of snack distribution? With Steve Cofield. Then I seen him. I seen Steve. And Adam Hill. Adam Hill is usually so fair, so reasonable. Uh, that's shocking <laughs> to hear something like that from Adam Hill. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Yeah, 5 o'clock hours here. Adam Hill, Cofield. Got a big hour on the way. We're going to talk to a Rebel coach, running Rebel coach, Kevin Kruger. A little later, getting ready for that uh, 9.30 tip over at T-Mobile. Don't forget. Well, that's UNLV in Michigan. Don't forget, football goes down at 8.30, 8 o'clock pregame. That'll be on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We can't run the games over each other, so... Uh, football will be on Fox Sports Las Vegas tonight. Basketball will be right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Big Five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Entering the hour, you look like you were dying to say something. I was going to say it would be really entertaining to listen to both games at the same time. <laughs> Try to keep up with all UNLV sports. Just running them over each other. I love it. I will be at the football game. Did I make a mistake? I'll be at the basketball game. Oh, you will. Mission. Yes. I've worked. I've also so worked. So we have a cover. Covering the team. So we have a cover. You're not on the air, but, you know. No. Maybe they'll bring you on for a halftime I'll interview be, at basketball. I'll be tweeting. Okay. There you go. There you Same go. thing. Yeah, so sure. Adam will be tweeting. So that's his face, and I will be on the sideline. I have two more games to get through without getting plowed over. It's also by that's, – That's my whole – that's how I judge a successful season. No injuries for me. It's my dramatic return to actual <laughs> college basketball game stories. So – check that out oh you haven't written up anything uh, didn't you do a sidebar i've done some side yeah but i'm doing an actual game story i, I can swear you're doing a sidebar uh what was that after the cow game you were you were thrilled you were thrilled on the angles you were presenting to one kevin Kruger about uh, not calling a timeout during an 11 nothing run i just enjoy having conversations with our good friend kevin well you like basketball conversations I, I and i also really like do. i also like that angle as i told you because i've i've seen too many Rebel coaches in the past who, if there were two baskets in a row, they're like, all right, timeouts. We don't want to let a run happen here. And, and and as you pointed out, Kevin Kruger seemed to be almost experimenting a bit. Like, let's let them go try by fire, and uh, maybe we learn later in the season they can get through runs without having to micromanage timeouts. And timeouts are important at the end of the season. You want to get really – Check that at the end of the game. We really, I mean, we're spiraling out of Big Five here. But uh, I also was sitting there uh, at the game watching – like kind of observing how he was handling that that time and just checking out everything, and then I saw like thirty eight assistant coaches in the crowd. Yeah, uh, are they all doing the timeout. We're all doing the time. You got to get a timeout, and he's just like, okay, we're good, we're good. Like, and I don't mean real assistant. I'm saying every fan there thought they were an assistant right, coach right, calling it. Right. They were all Chris Weber because they're uh, in the, in the crowd. That, that that's what they've been conditioned to is kind of micromanaging games. Not just by UNLV coaches, though. I mean, that I is. Saying, I wasn't saying epidemic. just by UNLV coaches. Yeah, it's but an yes, epidemic. Coaches all over the country. If there's a couple of baskets in a row, that's it. We got to call a timeout. And you're not going to find out anything about your team by calling a timeout and trying to tell them what to do. You want to find out if they can handle it. We'll transition back into the game plan on the Big Five. We are finding out a lot about Robin Leonard. One, he is focused this year. Two, he can play a lot. And three, when the rest of the uh, 
rest of the team has kind of fallen apart, not from a production standpoint, but from a health standpoint, he's been Johnny on the spot and he was good again last night. Yeah, for sure. And, and the, the plan has been to play him a lot early in the season. Uh, I, I expect, and you know, this is not me just guessing and Pete DeBoer has said it, that he wants to start playing Boisois a little bit more now, but he wanted Leonard to get a bunch of reps early in the season. Um, one, because obviously you want to get off to a good start and it's tough with all the changes they're making all around the lineup uh, with guys injured and COVID and everything else. Uh, it's tough to, you know, to win games. You don't have a, a great goaltender back there. So they wanted him to win, but also he didn't get to skate much in the off season. He had some, some injury stuff and he was trying to get his body better doing a lot of MMA. We talked about that before. Um, so, they wanted him to just get out there and skate just because he wasn't able to much in the offseason uh, and get settled into a rhythm. And, and he's been able to do that. And he's been fantastic, obviously, uh, for the Golden Knights early in the season and and put them in a position to be able to win some of these games. And that's what they've done. What is this MMA you speak of? What was he doing? Uh, he was training over at Syndicate, which is uh, here in Las Vegas, uh, with John Wood, who's uh, one of the more prominent MMA coaches out there. Um, John Wood told me one day, he believes if Robin Leonard wanted to quit hockey today, he could make it to the UFC. Oh, really? Yeah. Based on what? His groundwork, his hands? Size, athleticism. Everything. Really? Yeah, he just said. That's kind of interesting. It he does, said, but it does show because, well, one thing. Got to finish. No, he said a dude that big that yeah. can just move that naturally well and just to step into a cage and just be like, it's not like he stepped in and looked great, but like to, to pick it up that quickly, he just, you don't see that very often. What does it say almost every time that uh, over the years that there's been a potential crossover athlete and some have actually gone into UFC and MMA that the trainer's like, oh my God, this is next level athlete. Yeah. Does that, that say something? Does it actually say something bad about the, the, the folks who do choose MMA? No, but I like think a it, lion's share of the talent because we've seen the, the different football players like Matt Mitrione. I mean, he's kind of a meathead, but the guy was a defensive lineman in the NFL. Like, you know, he got hurt a bunch, but he goes into MMA and he was actually pretty good. And his hands were like compared to everyone else in the heavyweight division. They were like lightning quick. Sure. But I mean, you don't walk in and just become champion. Right. Like you, you're right. You can compete at a very high level and, and make some money. And we thought we've seen Greg Hardy do a little bit of that, too. Um, but yeah, I think it, what it says is to make it in a major league sport is really, really hard and you have to be a great athlete to do it. So then when those guys do switch over to a different sport, you're kind of blown away by their athleticism. Number four. A couple of football games to break down before we get to the Raiders. By the way, there was a fight in front of Leonard last night. Yeah. And as the the guy from Detroit kind of skated off, Leonard skated over toward him, and I was like, oh, I think I think Syndicate is kicking in, or I think he really wants to go. Did he want to throw hands or, like, think, get him, like, some underhooks no, and I think take he, him down? What, think he he wanted, want, what skill does he want to show off? I think he wanted to go. I think little, he wanted, I think leg he, kick with a big pad? I thought he was going to try to go submission. I think that was his, his plan. I don't know. Whatever. All right, we'll try. Uh, Number four. There you go. Uh, Browns. Does this number seem too big to you, or the fact that they're starting to get healthy, especially with Nick Chubb, does that mean they're going to smash the Lions? Well, I mean, I think it reflects the fact that Jared Goff isn't playing, but does that matter? Good question. I mean, I think I, I think what you would say is, well, if Jared Goff is the starter, what on God's green earth is behind him? <laughs> and it's what's still David Blau, I believe, is who's there. I mean, I... I don't have a whole lot of faith in them. Or Dan I, Campbell. Would you bet the 0, 16 and one prop on the yes? Well, I, like minus nine hundred or minus a thousand. I was actually in fact like infatuated with that last week. That some places I believe had zero and seventeen, and some places had will they go winless. So I think it depends where you made your bet of whether you've already lost or not. 
uh, on the Lions. That was that was atrocious. That game was horrific in every way. It was awful. It was By the way, unwatchable. I, think I flipped around the yes/no. The no would be the favorite. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think I said the uh, said it the other way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was it was tough to watch that, and so I, I don't think it's going to be that much better. And yeah, I think bad matchup in that Cleveland can just run the ball at will. Uh, now that they they've got Chubb back, you would expect Johnson to get mixed in there a little bit as well. Um, they'll they'll probably just hand off almost every down, and good luck stopping it. Number three. Darlings of the Sharps, darlings of the books from a power rating standpoint. Saints, Eagles. Boy, the Saints are getting beat up. Yeah. Kamara, out last week in question. Out. He's out? Okay. Where does this number finish? Come Sunday. And do you believe in the Eagles? I don't. I don't really believe in them. Um, last week was a really weird spot uh, for for the Eagles. Uh, Broncos were coming off that big win at home, laying less than a field goal, and everybody in the world um, that sharp was on the Eagles somehow and proved to be correct. Eagles up from one, one and a half to three this afternoon. I was going to say, I think it stays under three, but I guess, I guess not. I guess the Kamara news. There you go. And uh, I should get that. the Browns number right. Now that's all the way up to 12 from 11. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, I love the Saints defense. I love uh, that they could that they can control the game without really doing much offensively. But it's just getting. I, to the I point think now that I think nothing. Peyton got a little too big for his britches with his backup quarterback situation. With Simeon and Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill's making eight million dollars a year. I mean, guys, like you can only do so much miracle working with some of these quarterbacks. Yeah, and, and I, if you're gonna pay him, you got to play him. I think. And they really haven't changed his role that much. I mean, he's coming a little bit more now. Uh, he did last week. Um, it's just it, it's bizarre the way that they've handled their quarterbacks. But it's also it's, it's tough luck. I mean, Breeze got old, and then they went to Jameis Winston, who was playing really well and you know um, in spots for sure. And then Simeon comes in. And you've still got Taysom Hill. Like, what are you going to do with those two guys? I think they like where Taysom Hill is in his role. Simeon has been fine. Um, he's just he's not a dynamic playmaker, but they don't really need that. I, I still think the Saints are a dangerous team. I think they're tough, and I I think if you're giving me a field goal or more, probably have to go with it. Do we play popular team favorites? Ones on the road, ones at home. Packers one and a half against the Vikings. Chiefs two and a half against the Cowboys. I'll play the I, over. I, I assume that would those would that would be a popular two teamer. Packers one and a half. Chiefs two and a half. Yeah, I I feel like the. Cowboys are a pretty good side. I just, I just think it's like I have been slow on the you know Chiefs stink bandwagon. I was there with hey the Chiefs are still really good. Um, but then last week all of a sudden they have a good game, and everybody's like oh they're back. I was like they technically didn't go anywhere, but now you're getting a little bit carried away now that they're just this juggernaut superstar team. They still have some of the same issues that they had before. Um, I was hoping to get a little, you know, a field goal or more uh, with the Cowboys here uh, in this spot, but this just looks like a shootout that's up and down the field. I feel like um, with teams that are, you know, it's going to be tough to to really make many stops in this game. I think uh, so. I think taking the underdog is probably a, a a solid play. The Packers, I mean, they've been good on both sides of the ball. The defense has been good all year long. Uh, obviously, Rodgers has been 
uh, efficient for the most part until last week. wasn't great, but it didn't have to be. Uh, and the weather wasn't very good either. Kind of like the Packers and the Cowboys. Number two. Vinny over on uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 says Derek Carr is confident that this Raiders team will not go into a prolonged slump. We're having a little deja vu with the Raiders, right? They get off to a good start, and then we watched them the last couple of years just fall apart, not finish the year in strong fashion. Carr thinks this group is different. Do you? Oh, it's a long pause. No. A lot of thinking. I know. Um, I think. I mean, I think they're different. I, I think the results going to be the same, but I think they are different. If that if that makes sense to you. Um, Car said the woe is me guy showing up late to the building. Oh, here we go again. That's how uh, he describes some of the stuff in the past that maybe that's not the case anymore. That was there. Um, <laughs> Why do I believe? Why do I think we can finish better? This group is different. I came in this morning and usually in the past would show up. I wouldn't see guys for a little while. I show up in the morning and the guys are in there. Guys are showing up. We're walking in at the same time. They're on fire, ready to go. Car's always been that guy. And now other guys were that guy. Here's the problem, uh, because listen, I don't, I'm not going to criticize Carr because what are you supposed to say? You're supposed to say those things. You say it's going to get better. This team's different. All those things. You're supposed to say that's why. Um, but there was many people that took the transcript of this quote and the transcript of the quote from the same exact week last year and put it together, and it was the same. It's the same thing he said last year. So I, I don't fault him because he's saying the right things. He's saying we're talking about to two say. years ago. What guy showing up late? No, I mean not that part of it, but just okay. the. The, hey, you know we're right. We're still right in it. And this last year, you're saying this is not last year's team. This year's this year's team is different, more motivated, uh, better prepared, uh, everything else. And the claps happen this year. Saying the same things he said last year. This is not like the last two teams. Next year, he'll probably say this is not like the last three teams. We're not going to fall apart down the track. Now here's the thing. They're still five and four. It hasn't happened yet. They've lost a couple games, but they're still above five hundred. They're still right in the mix. And I do believe they're winning this week. So all of a sudden, you win. You, you go to six and four, you're right in the mix. Like maybe your confidence is a different level. Maybe you start to feel better about yourself. Maybe you do start to play a little bit better down the stretch, but the schedule is pretty tough. I mean, you look at it. I, I think I said a month and a half ago, I don't see where the rest of their road wins are. They did win at Denver, but look at their road games that are coming up. I mean, you're at Dallas, at Cleveland, at Kansas city, at Indianapolis, where's the road win. And the way the NFL is, anything can happen. I mean, any week, we know that the any given Sunday, cliche is particularly appropriate this year uh but those are those are really really tough matchups and the home schedule isn't that much easier so they could be better they could have a better finish they could be different and the result could still be the same number one so what is wrong with them what's the biggest thing don't isn't this only we only go to six right how much time do you need <laughs> i mean we can carry um, it we can carry it all the way until the basketball game so, check that football game. No, check that basketball game. <laughs> get my get my games mixed up. Fox Sports Radio tonight for the football game. UNLV basketball right here on ESPN Las Vegas. So we do technically we have uh, three hours and forty five minutes to break it down. Um, one of the be- they were among the best teams in the league at converting on third down under Gruden. The yep. first four games of the season, five games of the season, they are one of the worst. Yeah, last uh, last seven weeks, thirty point nine percent worst in the league. Well, last four weeks, they're second second worst in the league, 29%. Last week, they were one for nine. They can't maintain drives. That's an issue. Uh, so that is a that is a big, big part 
of what's gone wrong. Obviously, the offensive line has been inconsistent all year. They haven't been able to establish a running game. A lot of that is because they are horrific early in the game. 30th in the league in offensive efficiency on football outsiders in the first quarter. Outscored by 31 points in the first quarter. Uh, that is third worst in the entire league. So you're falling behind. So you have trouble blocking. And game script dictates that you can't run the ball anymore. That's a recipe for a disaster in the running game. So you can't run. Well, then you have the offensive line. Not only are they not playing well, they are about the worst team in the league in terms of committing penalties. So they're not efficient on offense, and then they make it more difficult on themselves uh, by having to go longer stretches. That third down mark, the, the counter a lot of people would say is, oh, you're you're having trouble on third down all of a sudden. Well, you, you have to do better on first and second down. Well, guess what? They've been a lot better on first and second down than they were early in the season. They were one of the they had one of the longest average distances to go on third down those first five games. They have one of the shortest, the last four, and they're still second worst in the league on third lot. down. How is that even possible? Yeah. It's because on third and one and third and two, you can't line up and get those yards. You can't run, and then you're false starting, and then you're holding. Like, all those things are going wrong. That's bad. Defensively, they're not tackling. It's, it's just been bad. And I talked to um, one of the guys from, from Pro, Pro Football Focus for a story uh, this week that's coming out uh, on Sunday, and I, I kind of said to him, how do you explain the defense? I mean, it it's really bizarre because you start to look around. And last year, nobody played well on defense. They were just bad. But this year, start to think about it. Unique Ngakwe has been great. Max Crosby is on pace to set a record, tie their all-time record for most pressures in a season. So the defensive ends have been very good. Defensive tackles have been pretty solid as well. Linebackers have struggled, but that's a kind of a overvalued uh, metric, the linebacking core in football today. Look at the secondary. Casey Hayward has been elite. Uh, Nate Hobbs has been very good. Trayvon Merring has been a revelation at deep safety. Jonathan Abram having his breakout season because he's playing linebacker now. Like, all the all the parts are good. What is going on? And you look at the linebackers, and you look at the fact that Gus Bradley's defenses over the years have tended to be good early, kind of struggle late in the season as teams kind of pick up what they want to do in their tendencies. Um, the tackling is bad, and... Uh, I was talking to another guy from uh, Football Outsiders today, Aaron Schatz, who we used to have on the show uh, here quite a bit. And he said depth in the secondary is a major issue because after you get past those starters, you've got guys that are rotating in and out, not playing at a very high level. And because of that, and especially because of Abrams' coverage struggles, they can't cover tight ends. That really showed up last week against Travis Kels, but it's showed up qu quite a bit all year. Coming up, we'll get into the uh, Raiders. Have more. <laughs> Playoff chances, Adam will have more, okay. and we're about 12 minutes away, 15 minutes away from a conversation with uh, running Rebel coach Kevin Kruger. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Just getting back to the basics um, as a team, like just working on the fundamentals. Everybody's trying to get their legs back under them and, and, and things like that. Um, and just kind of try to come out and re revamp ourselves and put our brand of football out there. Um, I think that's kind of the thing that I was echoing the most last last game, like just be who we think we are. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Josh Jacobs on the way back. Got to get back to running the ball a little bit. A little bit. It says uh, it was not good at all last week. So playoff numbers right now. The Raiders, yes, to make the playoffs is plus two ten, which is kind of fascinating at five and four. 
I was charting out what the yes was on all teams around the five and four mark. Um, Chargers with the same record are minus 220. <laughs> yes. Uh, Saints with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill. Same record. Minus 150. Uh, Bengals coming in. They're plus 140. Raiders are plus 210. And then teams like the Browns that are five and five, one more loss, plus 150. This is all yes to make the playoffs. Colts, five and five, one more loss, plus 140. Hell, the Niners are four and five. And they have a lower yes number, plus 200 to make the playoffs. Well, I mean, the NFC, I think a under 500 team probably gets in. So that would, you know, the NFC teams you can kind of throw out. As far as the AFC goes. A lot of this is, is re- the, the numbers reflective of the uh, the, the strength, the balance. There is no crap team right. in the AFC West. Like, the Broncos are 5-5. Five and five. They're plus 320. So it, if you're in a bad division, you obviously have a little better shot. Well, it also has a lot to do with schedule. So, I, I mean, I, mean, Col- I think. The fact that the Colts are plus 140 is, you know, they, they're they in the division with the Texans and the Jacks. Yeah, and I think. But but they also have you have to drop them down a little because they probably can't win the division where the Raiders could win the division. Um, they still so they have two paths uh, to potentially going to the playoffs. So yeah, I think it's you know it's mathematical. It's also there's also some you know art done to setting those numbers. Uh, but I feel like the Raiders have a better chance than that. Um, like I said, I, you know I know Pro Football Focus though is at forty four percent. I think Football Outsiders has them at thirty. But Football Outsiders has been down on the Raiders all year long. Um, even when they're five and two, I think they had them as the twentieth best team in the league. Um, so you would expect them to be a little bit lower there. But yeah, I think a, a lot of this just has to do with schedule. And you know, you're an, a slight underdog this week. I, I think they, like I said, I think the the Raiders win. Um, but you know, if you lose this week, it's pretty much over. So, you know, you, if you're going to bet on them to make the playoffs, I guess bet on them to make the playoffs now and then also bet on the Raiders to win the game. All right, tough one for Adam. Uh, a real person named Gil Boldberg uh, <laughs> just said, uh, he can't imagine how conflicted you'll be tonight at this UNLV-Michigan game, who you're going to root for. And Won't of course, you, you responded with the, uh, the lame excuse that, uh, well, you know, I'm a journalist. I'm covering the game, so I can't root for anyone. Not lame. It's actually one of the reasons I wanted to cover the game, and I talked to my bosses about covering the right game. Right down the middle. Uh, so I could stay right objective. down the middle. Yeah. The con there's an inner conflict that will just clash over and over again. All right. Kevin Kruger's up in less than five minutes. We'll get a preview of the game and the rebels are off to a three, and zero start with a chance tonight to uh, stack wins and get one against the top five team. More of Cofield and company is on the way live in the Finley Toyota studios. Two point lead, eight seconds to go. McKinney into the front court. McKinney down the right side. McKinney all the way under. Shot blocked by Ham. Taken by McCabe, and the Rebels win the game. Royce Ham with another huge defensive play, and the Rebels win it 64 to 62. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Very exciting ending to the North Dakota State game. John Sandler going crazy. The crowd going crazy. The players go crazy. And there was one guy in the building who was like, eh. It's still one of my favorite videos of the I, month. I, I want to break it down all day long. This guy, he's going to stay pretty calm most of the time. But he's not. That's what that's, that's we got to get that's, into it. That's the, that's the, we're going to tear apart this onion <laughs> right up until game time. He's going to have to sit on the phone with us as we, uh, Get Coach Kevin Kruger on the, the couch and analyze this whole thing. Coach, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? 
We're good. We're still mystified by your reaction on the sideline at the end of the game when everyone else is freaking out. You just had your arms folded and you had one mission just to go over and shake the hand of the opposing coach. Yes, it was uh, get shake his hand, say good job, and get in the locker room before somebody tells me it didn't happen. <laughs> Fair. Well, you are you conscious of trying to stay even keel? Like you're you're a, a fiery guy, you're a passionate guy. We know you're excited about the win. So do you think about like, hey, don't show it? No, not really. I just think about going, going over, saying uh, <laughs> good job and. And moving on. But there, there is something to presenting a certain image to your team, right? In terms of you, you staying calm, uh, you know, at, at mo- you know the most times you can. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, it, it's very important. I think for coaches to, you know, stay calm and, and confident in in that uh, in those moments. But you know, when we get back to the locker room, we celebrate. We uh, we celebrate every win. We're extremely excited. And uh, but out there, I just don't. For whatever reason, I haven't. Really, I don't. I don't even remember walking through one handshake line right now. So, uh, yeah. it just kind of is what it is. And when we get back to the locker room, we have a good time. How's the uh, How's the blood pressure doing, Coach? These are some tight games you got you got in your career so far. Uh, probably not great, but um, I haven't been to the doctor yet. So, we're uh, we're gonna keep it going, and we'll take a win, even if we got to sacrifice a few hours of stress. So what what have you liked out of your team so far? You know, a couple games into the year, got some victories, and and they're showing certainly certainly fight and uh, a will down the stretch to win these games and to come out on top and come out on the right side. Uh, what have you liked about what you've seen? Uh, pretty much just that. Uh, I think you hit it right on the head that just the grit and the the desire and determination to do what's needed to go get a win. Um, we haven't shot it well, you know, yet. I think this is a, a group that's going to shoot it much better as the year. Uh, continues to go on and I think right now that they could have easily folded a few times because the shots weren't going in but they continued to guard and and do what they needed to do to to execute they've uh, they've been really good out of timeouts though especially late in games you know we've done a really good job of executing what uh, we determine or what play we draw up out of a timeout so uh, it shows that they're they're definitely capable uh, to shoot it better and play better offensively but they keep grinding it out defensively Tell the audience what you've seen in timeouts because everyone doesn't get to see the post-game press conferences. And I thought one thing that you pointed out that was really interesting is that at times, uh, and, and something you want is the players to be active uh, within reason in the timeouts and, and sort of have a, you know, a player-led discussion at times about what they're going to do defensively. Yeah, I think the, uh, the end of the Cal game is a perfect example. You know, we have a, a handful of situations that we practice throughout the course of the fall. Uh, and one of those is being up three with X number of time on the clock. And, you know, the guys, we have a few different options, as does everybody. And kind of I threw one out there that we had thought maybe as a staff we could try and, and might throw Cal off. But the guys were pretty adamant about wanting to kind of play it straight up the way they had been guarding it. And Jordan was one of them. And, he, you know, he got over the screen to not allow that switch with Royce on Antisovich. So, it uh, made a really, really tough look for Shepard. So they they put their stamp on it and, and went out and executed it. Kevin Kruger is up with us. Adam Hill, Steve Cofield. Hey, Coach, I mean, obviously uh, you guys spend a lot of time with, you know, working on offense, working on defense, and getting the team to where you want it to be. But it's also got to be nice, and we've seen it, you know, develop uh, here early in the season. We knew uh, that he was capable of this. It was going to be nice to just – have Bryce Hamilton to go out there and to say, go get us a bucket when we need one. And he's been very, very good at that so far. 
yeah, he's been incredibly efficient down the stretch. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's no secret. That was something that he had decided to come back to UNLV for was to be somebody that was put in those situations and, and carry us toward the end offensively. And, uh, you know, he's been really good late game at getting up good looks and, and making plays. I mean, the North Dakota State game, uh, he kind of put the team offensively on his shoulders and just made a bunch of really good plays to, to finish the game out with, the, with no turnovers. So I think that's, that's the most important part in the last four minutes. If you don't turn it over and get a good look every time, you, you're probably going to you know, like your outcome. How do you get Bryce Hamilton more efficient the rest of the game? That's a great question. And uh, that's something that, you know, we're, we're working on and, and continuing to work on. But I think uh, that's kind of the, the situation that we talked to him about is just about being more aggressive early and, and not forcing anything, but uh, just being more efficient. You know, he's, uh, he's somebody that has a lot of confidence in his offensive game, and I think he gets a little frustrated if he misses a few and he wants to prove that he can make them, which is great because he's, he's confident and, and he's stubborn. And he, and he wants to go score the ball, but at the same time, uh, you know, he might just need to take a breath and, and take a play and, and then go back at it a little bit later. I actually think, I think a lot of the looks he's gotten near the basket or earlier in the game have been good looks. They just haven't gone down, and I'm not sure if, you know, if he's dinged up on the left hand or something because he's got a little tape on there. But uh, I, I see them falling at some point. Um, Jordan McCabe at the point, he's been in two of the three games, didn't get to play in the first game. So give us your read on how he's done both defensively and also running the offense. Well, I think he's been – there's no question that our offense has gotten better uh, from game one to two and two to three. So uh, I think he's a large part of that, you know, being somebody – you know, Jordan sees the floor. He's got a great ability to use the pick and roll and, and create advantages for other guys. And so not having him out there in that first game was a little different than, you know, every day in practice because he does – he was a part of the rotation of getting reps with everyone. And then, you know, he's just done a really good job leading. He's vocal. Uh, he understands the playbook and what we're looking for. So uh, he's kind of one of those guys that I think as the year goes on, he's just going to get better and better at it. I spent, spent a lot of time uh, just out and about at different sporting events and things around town. But I will, I will say that multiple people have now approached me and said, this Royce Ham dude is legit. He's awesome. I love this guy. <laughs> did you Did you know he was going to be – this effective as a rebounder, as a shot blocker, and just that much energy this quickly? Well, we knew Royce was extremely athletic, having, you know, watched him all the way back to high school. Um, and just, you know, his opportunity at Texas, he was always behind somebody who's right now all five guys are in the NBA. And so we knew he was athletic. We knew he had an, a, a gift. Uh, we knew he played incredibly hard. But, you know, we weren't 100% sure how that would translate from a – in an expected role night in and night out but so far in three games it's been great i mean what you guys see out there in the game is exactly what we see every day in practice uh you know you know he's always full go and i think that's one of the reasons that it's paying off for him on game night because he that's how he approaches every single day all, all teams at this point of the season are kind of a work in progress even teams that have been together for a few years are still trying to figure themselves out. But obviously you guys, a lot of new faces, uh, a lot of new roles on the coaching staff as well. So um, uh, definitely a work in progress is is taking place. But what is that next step? What is the, the next thing you want to see out of this team that knows you guys are on the right track? I think it's just to continue getting better on both ends of the ball. I mean, as cliche as it is, uh, but especially offensively, you know, continue to make strides. And, and I think from our starting point offensively, we can 
it's not unfair to ask to, to make you know, strides every night. And so if we can do that, I think our defense, as they get out there with each other and learn each other's tendencies and what's a good switch and a bad switch, uh, that'll kind of almost naturally progress. But the offense is where, you know, they've got to make a concerted effort to, to make plays for each other and continue to evolve uh, on that on that side of the ball especially. Coach Kevin Kruger up on Cofield and company. UNLV playing Michigan tonight. It's a 9.30 tip. Uh, pre-game is 9 o'clock right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Still tickets available for this Roman Classic and the, the first game, Wichita State. And uh, Arizona is going to go down here in about uh, 90 minutes or so and then a 9.30 start for the running Rebels. All right, so Hunter Dickinson's one of the, the big guys, literally, figuratively, that you got to stop on this Michigan team. Um, what can you do to stop a seven-footer? And will, will it look anything similar to what you guys did the last year as a staff on – uh, Nemesh Um Yeah, I mean, he's tough. He's a tough matchup. He's an incredible player. Um, he's big. He's mobile. He's got great court vision. Um, he, he's a great passer. He's got a touch and feel around the rim. So, you know, uh, we'll try to give him a number of different looks. But at the end of the day, the guys really have to battle. Uh, they got to fight and they got to claw. And, and it's not just one guy guarding. I mean, he's a, he's a big guy. And he can do damage pretty much at any point in any possession with, with the ball, without the ball, rebounding, passing, picking. So uh, you got to focus on him and you got to have that mindset that, you know, it's, a, it's not until we secure the ball that he uh, really can't hurt us from an offensive standpoint. And in terms of bodies, probably no uh, Victor uh, Eworker? Right. No Vic, no James. Okay. What's the timetable on these guys? I know you keep saying, hey, we're, you know, got to ask the experts, but. Uh... I mean, I would assume you hope to have them back relatively soon. This this would have been a big one. Yeah, you know, they're day-to-day. We're not going to rush those injuries. So uh, we want to make sure they're healthy and, and ready to go and we don't do anything uh, prematurely. Do you still feel comfortable, based on what you've seen in the first three games, playing upwards of 9, 10, or 11 guys? Because there have been guys, I think, who have struggled a little bit, maybe offensively. Uh, but, you know, overall, do you feel still still feel comfortable going 10 or 11 deep? Oh, Absolutely. You know, these guys, everybody that goes in there has played incredibly hard. And, yeah, of course, everybody makes mistakes. But all we're asking for them is when they go out there, they just give what they got and we'll get back out. And we've shown that if uh, uh, the relationship is, is trusted both ways, where if they go out and play as hard as they can, they know they're going to go back in. And I think right now we've got a good, uh, good energy and a good flow on our team. They're where the guys know when their number's called, they just go out there and play as hard as they can. Coach, we talked about uh, Hunter Dickinson before we let you go. Who's 1B on the scouting report when you look at Michigan? Well, that's the thing about Michigan. You can really pick – you can pick any of them, and they can all hurt you in other ways. If you focus too much on one of them, then, you know, they're just so incredibly talented. And, uh, and uh, you know, they're a traditional, you know, elite Big Ten team. You know, you can go across the board. I mean, you really can with Jones, Johns, Brooks. Uh, obviously, Caleb Houston with a ton of uh, talent and expectations coming out of high school. So, uh, you know, it really, I don't know if it would be one person as much as just follow our follow the scouting report, you know, give everything you can to our, our goals and our keys, and let's see what happens. Uh, in closing, I want to mention the, the schedule, not only, you know, tonight, but upcoming games in terms of getting more people out there, getting the Run Rebel fans out of T-Mobile and back at Thomas and Mack next week against UCLA. Yeah, I think, you know, we would love to have more support. You know, I think these guys are, are playing hard, representing the city the right way. And, you know, obviously Sunday is at, back still at T-Mobile, but then even next week with Whittier and UCLA, I think, uh, you know, these it, it would be great for these guys to 
go out there and see the, the fans and the numbers start to, uh, start to grow uh, because they, they know the city loves them. Um, you know, there's no, been no mistake on that. They know the former players love them. And so it, w- it would just be great if we could go out there and, and just see the, the fan count grow as the season goes on. All right, Coach. Good luck in the game. We'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Thank you. There he is, Kevin Kruger. A game tonight at 930. Um, and, you know, we've gotten a lot of messages from people who, you know, may be uh, displeased with the fully vax requirement for the Thomas and Mac free-for-all tonight. Got to wear a mask, but everyone's allowed in. Same thing for Sunday. Um, I think it's the same situation, I'm guessing, at uh, Mick Ultra Arena at Mandalay. They're going to have some games at Mandalay coming up in December. And, by the way, this schedule, the way it's – now we're starting to see the – the look of the whole schedule. Like, we knew what it looked like, but how good the teams are. Yeah. So, Michigan, then either Wichita State or Arizona. And Arizona may be a little better than people thought. Yeah. We'll see what they do against Wichita tonight. I haven't seen the latest number. I know it opened last night at 9.5. Uh, UCLA at Thomas and & Mack. And then there's a lot of games in there where it's like, oh, Seattle. Oh, San Francisco. Oh, San Diego. Easy marks. Ask Reno how easy the marks were. Right, because they played San Diego and San Fran, they lost to both of them. Yeah. So the schedule is like WCC is good. What what Ots and company left behind was pretty freaking difficult. <laughs> you know, and some of those games that are Mick Ultra Arena, and you know, some of the games in December where it's like, oh yeah, let's set up some easy wins. They're not going to be that easy. No, but I mean, I think there are there's not easy wins, but there are opportunities for big victories out there. So yeah, um, I think you know UNLV, of course, tough challenge tonight. Tough challenge, no matter who it is on Sunday, but. Uh, there are some games out there that I think they're going to give teams fits that don't expect it. And I will tell you, in terms of going to see the games, you are going to like what you see because they are pretty well organized. They do play hard. And the other cool thing is they are, I mean, unless something changes with injuries, now keep in mind, they're playing 10 guys now. Yeah. And I, I think Hampshire was going to play, you know, five, seven, eight, you know, 10 minutes a game. Um, certainly uh, Victor uh, was going to play, you know, who knows what, 20, 25 minutes. So maybe, you know, they're not going to go 13 deep or 12 deep, but they're, they're going 10, 11 deep. And it just, like, from a defensive standpoint, if you want to see good full-court defense, especially good half-court defense, they're rotating in groups. And if guys don't play, you know, hard or they get tired, they're out. Yeah, I mean, Bryce Hamilton, he's not leading the team in minutes because McCabe's only played the two games. He has 29, but Bryce Hamilton's only at 27 minutes a game. Which is pretty crazy because yeah. last year it felt like he had to play every yeah. freaking minute. Uh, let's do a giveaway right here. 364-1100-364-1100. Final one of the week. It's your chance to win the uh, tailgate tray from Porta Subs. You can get your own tailgate tray at 20-plus Porta Subs around Las Vegas. It's a six-foot sub all chopped up on the uh, tailgate tray. You also qualify to win a, a new Yeti cooler. It's caller 7364-1100. Caller number 7364-1100. It's all courtesy of Porta Subs and our friends from Finley Volvo Cars Las Vegas. Field and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Take your hand in there, Dave. Story kind of buried by all the football right now, but the Punk Chui, very important story. Chinese tennis player disappeared. Uh, Is the world going to come together? find out what the hell's going on here uh, is the ioc going to step up and go hey winter olympics no dice let's find out what's happening here what do you I think 
I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to make light of a situation. I, I mean, that's a joke, right? That the IOC would do anything. Um, that's, I mean, it, I would love it. Uh, I don't think they will. Um, yeah, it's a horrible, horrible situation where she had gone on social media, a, basically a you know state-run social media, and made an accusation that was you know horrible against a uh, an official of sex abuse, repeated sex abuse, and it was almost immediately deleted. And then all of a sudden, she's missing. Um, I guess you can't jump to conclusions, but it looks really, really bad uh, for you know what is going on here in terms of uh, the Chinese government. So. Uh, hopefully, a lot of awareness being raised here by a lot of you know superstar athletes and, and very prominent people, and uh, hopefully changes come from this, and, and this story doesn't have a bad ending. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Good ending, Candace, football player. <laughs> Didn't have to write a country song to get the Applebee's deal, huh? I remember those. Those were good, though. I don't even think you know what I'm referencing. Oh, the recent country song. That mentions Applebee's that has just played in nauseum on even, country stations, and uh, yeah, I don't even know the guy. I don't know. It's, I thought you were talking about like those horrendous. Were those Gilligan's Islands guys? Were those Applebee's? Oh, those guys were great. Yeah, I love sure, them. Those guys were wonderful. Might have been a different. Uh, what about the Kansas kid? Two point <laughs> conversion, and now he was cutting a commercial. This the week. hero, yeah. Monday morning, right after scoring the game winning awesome. two point conversion, he's cutting a commercial. Now his acting was horrifying, <laughs> but it it really worked. It, like the cheesiness of the commercial really worked. I liked it. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I'm so excited. I meant I was trying to text you last night. Um, you know, Xavier Pope and I were talking last week, and we're like, uh, Tiger King 2, I mean, is there really a need for it? No. Did you start watching it? I don't think I will. Dude, watch it. Really? I, yes, Owen and I were watching it. We're like, yep, let's do it. It's back, baby. No, because like everyone on the show, now they found more connections to them, and the cast of characters, like everyone associated with everyone on the original documentary is freaking nuts and a bizarro character and then mark davis's brother is back on the jet ski and he's a big <laughs> watch it i don't want to oversell it Just might, watch that might be my plane my plane viewing watch way to dallas stick your hand in there dave very good stuff very good stuff all right i'm back in uh basketball tonight on espn las vegas running rebel basketball with the uh, nine o'clock pregame fox sports las vegas as opposed to fox sports whatever albuquerque <laughs> Fox Sports Las Vegas will have the football game. That'll go down at 8 o'clock. Thanks to Jared. Thanks to Ari. Appreciate it. Thanks to uh, Coach Kruger for coming on with us on a game day. And all those NFL players who popped on with us earlier. Tom Booker and Mark McMillan and Stanford Rout and Bill Romanowski. Awesome job this week booking by Ari. What happens in the football game? What's your pick? They keep it close or not? Rebels cover. High scoring, low scoring? It's San Diego State. 20 to 17. San Diego State. All right, we are out of here. Stick around. Lots of good Rebel and Running Rebel Sports coming up on the LB Sports Network. We'll see you.